to Welcome to From the Valley Podcast. This is episode 103. This is a special China edition today. My brother Nicholas Wilshire is here to discuss today to discuss exactly what's sort of happening in China. It's big news and Nick has been very kind today to be able to, I guess, offer his advice and speak about uh, China relations uh, in relation to what's been happening. Um, other, other things that we'll probably be discussing is issues with the trade war, so Australia and China, what's actually going on there? What aren't Australia happy about? What, what's, what's China's angle? Uh, also, sort of more, more uh, recently, what's been happening with Hong Kong and China, uh, the background to the current protests, and maybe a bit of background as to what was happening last year, which uh, is a bit of confusion for us, us Australians, I guess, as to what actually was happening. Uh, Nick has uh, been on the ground for 18 years living in China. Most of that time has been uh, living in Shenzhen, which is right next door to Hong Kong. Uh, Shenzhen's a large city, very large city. It's uh, pretty much close to the border of, of Hong Kong. Uh, Nick speaks uh, fluent Mandarin and Cantonese. Uh, Nick has had many business roles over the last 18 years in China. More recently, he's been the deputy chairman of Ostcham, uh, the Greater Bay Area, South China. Uh, Nick's strengths are, I guess, building business relationships, uh, executive coaching and recruitment. Nick, welcome along to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you very much for having me. That's a good introduction, isn't it? So where do you want to start? I want to start, I guess, with the uh, coronavirus. Uh, tell us a bit. I remember going with the coronavirus, Nick, you were sort of uh, fairly alert, uh, sort of late January and, and in February, uh, when it was starting to affect China at that stage. In Australia, we sort of had no idea that uh, this was going to be such a big, uh, I guess, pandemic pandemic that was going to be a worldwide situation. You sort of made a bit of a prediction back then that this is a lot different to things like SARS and, and, and these other types of uh, viruses that have sort of, you know, been around and spread around, but this one really sort of got out there. Um, tell us about, I guess, some of those early, the, the early sort of situation in China, how, how, how it sort of affected you in the early going. That's a good question. And I've spent quite a lot of time in Wuhan where um, the outbreak in China started. And yeah, it's <clears throat> the reason I was so concerned is because it was, you know, when it came about, um, it was so ca contagious, you know, it was, it was so contagious and, and people were literally catching it just by, you know, walking past somebody or, or shaking hands with somebody or, or, or something on, of that nature. So, you know, it just, and I saw the response in China and it was extremely, extremely um, draconian. Um, and I, I knew that they, you know, China don't just do things just for the sake of it. Um, and obviously there was, a, there was a reason for that. Uh, so that's what sort of <laughs> raised initial concerns from my side. Yeah, so um, certainly, I guess, draconian measures. There are obviously some uh, places around uh, the world have take, taken a while, but there have been, I guess, some uh, countries, won't go into too much detail, that have sort of gone down the draconian measure sort of uh, uh, way of dealing with it, uh, locking out, you know, lockouts and stuff like that for, you know, extended period of time, you know, at least a couple of months in some cases. So it certainly had a huge effect around the world. Um, I guess, uh, t talking about China... They, um, why is it that they're sort of reluctant, uh, I guess, to be involved in, in the inquiry as to how, um, you know, coronavirus came about and, and their responsibility uh, for, I guess, this worldwide pandemic? 
Um, that's a that's a very very good question, and I suppose a lot of commentators uh, are asking that um, that that same question, and and they should, you know, I, ironically, they they need to sort of come out and and be transparent about what's happening. Um, you know, it, it's a bit of a difficult thing for everybody at the moment because a lot of people fail to take into consideration the trade issues that we're having at the moment between China and the US, which are very very big. Uh, which I'm quite happy to talk about later on in your program. Um, but <clears throat> one of the issues from my view as to why the, the Chinese have been reluctant um, to inquire, to, to sort of participate um, or cooperate at the initial, um, you know, with respect to the inquiries. But I, I think now um, they are getting involved and they are participating. Um, you know, they, they, they need to participate as a, a, a world power. Um, they need to participate in these sorts of things because it is the benefit for, for everybody. Um, so it, it is good that, you know, it, it has been sorted out behind the scenes and, and I think it's positive for everybody. So I guess, where do you think the coronavirus sort of goes to from here? Is any sort of, uh, what are you sort of, is, is this, has there been any, um, I guess, China... In China, for example, has it sort of um, blown up again at all and there's been some more infection rates or has it sort of really died down or uh, and not sort of affecting things at the moment? Yeah, well, you've seen, I think from what I can understand, you've seen two um, outbreaks that have occurred, you know, since the original outbreak. Um, one being on the board uh, in, in Guangzhou. I think there was a little bit of an, an outbreak from what I can understand in, in Guangzhou. Um, among uh, a community there and also as well um, on the border of Russia. So there's a, a, a province called uh, Heilongjiang province, which borders with Russia. And there's been a lot of Chinese and, and Russians that have been, you know, going back and forth through that border. Um, and I think it's managed to creep its way back in through that border. Um, and there has been an outbreak. There are pretty, understand there are draconian measures with the, um, the Chinese government are taking now to, to you know, to stop that, that, that the virus from outbreaking um, in that specific area. So, but that's from what I can see. It's you know things here in Shenzhen uh, are back getting pretty much getting back to normal. Where I hosted an event last week with about fifty to sixty people uh, with the Australian Chamber of Commerce. That was very well received, um, and it was great, and everyone was happy. And you know, it's, it's getting back to normal here. It's good. Mm. Just probably the final point on the uh, coronavirus. I mean, e economically, it certainly had a, a, a ridiculous, you know, obviously a, a massive, massive impact uh, worldwide. Uh, in Australia, I think um, obviously it's affected us, uh, this part of the world from that point of view, uh, quite badly for the time being. We don't know how long, it's probably for, for a long time on end. Um, but are you surprised at all uh, about how well it's been contained in Australia and New Zealand, for example? the coronavirus? Yeah, well, I, I'm not surprised at all because Australia, when it comes to medic, medicine and science, are, are very much leading the world. Um, they've got some of the best universities, some of the best research centres. So, um, and if you look at the job that the, the chief medical officer is doing, he's doing an absolutely fa fantastic job uh, along with the, uh, the Australian government and, and, and all the premiers and, and, and chief ministers. So, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me that Australia... Um, are doing such a great job. I don't know about New Zealand. I would imagine, you know, it would be a similar situation. Uh, mm. But no, I think the Australian, you know, majority of the Australian people are, are doing the right thing and, you know, you know, making sure that they're, um, 
participating in in social distancing and that sort of stuff. So, you know, <clears throat> it does it just makes makes sense that Australia would do well because they've you know like I said they're very much leading the world in in all those different um, areas. Okay, moving on to I guess Australia and China's relationship. Uh, obviously, uh, <clears throat> obviously you used to live in Brisbane prior to to moving to China uh, eighteen years ago, so you're obviously uh, you're familiar with uh, Brisbane, and obviously. Um, We've sort of had some involvement, I guess, in the in the Australia Chinese sort of uh, uh, I guess groups that uh, sort of are around this area of Brisbane. Um, I guess tell us a bit about the background to where the the trade war currently is at. I guess between Australia and China. So the basically the so obviously you've you've had the Australian government that have asked for an inquiry into the origins of the virus. Um, and I suppose China took that personally. Um, you know, I think Australia were entitled to, to ask those questions. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> the Chinese have taken it personally. Um, they've, I suppose, they've thrown their toys out of the, the pram um, and, and they've decided to whack on some pretty heavy tariffs on Australian products. So from what I understand, there's been tariffs that have been put onto um, barley, Australian barley. That's right. Um, and, and also um, they've put onto beef as well. Yeah. So, so uh, obviously, is that with going forward, what do you think the, how do you think this is going to resolve over time uh, with Australia and Chinese relationships? Well, this is, I don't think, you know, we can't play the moral card. I don't think that there's a right and a wrong on this. I think, you know, Australia are very right to, to ask for the, for the inquiry. I think that that's fine. And obviously China have, have reacted by, by putting on tariffs. Um, and unfortunately, due to the, the, the current situation, I just, you know, I, I, like, I would like to be an optimist with respect to this because I think it's the right approach. But, you know, in all of my 18 years of experience here in China, I, I just can't see things getting better. Um, and I would probably make the bold prediction that things are probably going to get worse with respect to, you know, with respect to tariffs and trade um, before they get better. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it can't, it's a new relationship, you know, China, no one has expected that China would would grow to where it's gone to. Um, it's, you know, it's having, it's changing the landscape of, of world trade. Um, and, you know, Australia is, is learning about that relationship. It's learning how to deal with, with such a, a player, a major player in the, um, in, on the international, you know, um, environment, in the international environment. So it's going to take a while before that, before Australia sort of comes to a, a good conclusion as to how to deal with China. Um, but before they sort of get to that position, uh, there's going to be a, a little bit more restlessness between the two countries uh, before it gets better. Unfortunately, it's, it's, that's just mm. the irony. I mean, you, you've been on the, there for 18 years. So you want to, and obviously when you sort of went there, I mean, you you sort of, uh, I guess, had the feeling that China was going to be sort of become a, if it hadn't already at that stage, which we don't, you know, we don't say it had, but uh, over time it would certainly become a world superpower. Um, that's something you sort of really predicted a bit uh, when you first moved there, wasn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. So um, is it, is it, so it's not surprising, I guess, as to I guess where they're sitting in the world stage at the moment, as far as as far as the the power that they have. Yeah, it happened very fast. I didn't think that it happened as fast as as what it did. I, I was just from seeing their influence, you know, back 18 years ago before I stepped on the plane to fly to Beijing. Um, I could see that there were, you know, there was a lot more interest towards China from an Australian perspective and also from a Chinese perspective towards Australia. Um, I never predicted that it would grow to the size that it has now where it's sort of, you know, Australia is very reliant on Australian tourism. It's very reliant on, Australia is very reliant on China for tourism. Australia is very reliant on China for, for education, um, trade, basically all sectors, you know, medical, research, everything. Um, and it's, it's obviously it's a double-edged sword. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. Um, and, you know, as much good that's come out of that, there is, unfortunately, there's negative connotation as well. So it is what it is. You just got to you know, work with it and try and set boundaries and parameters to how, how to manage that relationship, you know, from an Australian perspective. Um, and I think the government, you know, I think the government are doing a, a pretty good job. Um, I think the Morrison government are doing a, a pretty good job. Obviously, you know, they're not doing a perfect job. No one could do a perfect job. Um, and no, it's, I, I think it's good and it's just going to keep getting worse uh, until it gets better. And, and I think that, um, you know, it, it, people don't realise that it's a, it's a new relationship. Um, so we just need to be patient. Um, you know, we need to you know, be understanding. We need to be um, compassionate. And, you know, we need to show, um, you know, we need to show an understanding of a cultural understanding of, of both sides. Mm. Okay. Uh, also, I guess what I'd certainly like to sort of uh, find out a bit about, about exactly what's sort of more recently been happening between uh, Hong Kong and China. I guess, tell us a bit about why the, I guess, uh, the back, a bit, bit of background as to why the protests were occurring last year and what they currently sort of, uh, what, what the current situation is, I guess, between Hong Kong and China. Yeah, and I, this is big, um, and I think that this is sort of going to this is going to sort of become the big news very soon in, in Australian media. Um, <clears throat> so, just a, a quick background. Um, so, protests or there, uh, in two thousand three, there was a a, a bill uh, I think along the lines of a, a national security bill. Um, I don't know the exact name of it, but it was similar to the a bill that they've got now that was proposed by the Hong Kong government uh, that they tried to put through LegCo, but unfortunately, uh, because there were half a million people that protested um, with respect to that bill, um, that bill was basically canceled um, and never moved forward. Um, so that's basically the start of when everything happened back in 2003. And that was when I just arrived in China, actually. Uh, and then obviously we've seen the outbreak uh, we've had, we, you know, I think 2014, we had Occupy Central, um, where people were trying to get um, universal suffrage, which universal suffrage basically means the, the opportunity to be able to elect their own chief executive um, or the equivalent of prime minister. So they can, they can elect, the people can have the choice of, of who they elect. Um, and then, so that was in 2014, and that's when, the protesters occupied um, uh, Central for more than two months. 
and then we had the extradition bill um, that so the Hong Kong government were trying to push forward an, an extradition bill uh, which would allow um, you know people that have done the wrong thing in mainland China to be extradited back to to main back to mainland China from Hong Kong. So if someone was to go from mainland China to Hong Kong and hypothetically speaking, take a bag of money with them or commit some type of um, crime on the mainland, then the, the Hong Kong government would have an extradition treaty with mainland China and that person would be extradited back. But I suppose, you know, many people were concerned about what that meant um, and how that would affect human rights and, and whether, um, you know, yeah, there's just a lot of questions around that and, you know, which, you know, Hong Kong obviously is an, an, a very open and free society. Um, and when you have, um, this, if this bill was to get passed, then you'd have a lot of people that would be concerned about, you know, how that would affect them and, and their freedom of speech. And obviously most recently, um, so, that, so that bill uh, was actually um, canned as well. So that actually, uh, that because of the protests that happened in last year in 2019, uh, the Hong Kong government decided to um, basically um, been been that um, been that proposal as well, um, but which which has led to a lot of protests, and I think we've seen in Hong Kong six months of pretty intense protests, where we've seen universities that have been taken over um, by protesters. We've seen people killed. Uh, we've seen a lot of violence um, from from both the police and also from the um, the protesters, um, and and I suppose the, the the Chinese government have just had enough. They've just said, nope, we don't want to put up with this anymore. There's too many people that are causing problems in Hong Kong. Um, and then, so what they've recently done last week, and this is basically uh, fresh off the press, is that fresh from the press is that they've decided. So Beijing have actually over. Um, basically gone over the Hong Kong government and, and have decided to introduce the national security bill themselves, um, which hasn't gone through Hong Kong LegCo. Um, and it's something that they're going to be pushing through. Um, and the irony is, and I don't, I don't know the, the details, but I think in, in the, the Hong Kong basic law, it actually allows um, for, 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 for that to happen, for there to be a national security law introduced uh, but there's a lot of people, like I was saying before, that are worried about, you know, their situation um, in Hong Kong. There's been a lot of people that have been very outspoken towards Beijing and, and Hong, the Hong Kong government and Beijing and the central government. So there's a lot of people that are very worried at the moment, which is very understandable. What do you, how do you think this is going to resolve that, uh, the whole, the, that, those sort of conflicts and protests and, and that sort of thing? Is there, is there a way you see out? Or? Well, it's... Yeah, it, <sighs> Well, it really depends on the international community, really. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really think the international community get, are going to be able to do a lot because I think everyone's very sidetracked um, with, with, this current, with the current situation with the virus. So the timing of the way that Beijing have decided to put this forward is, is be very, very well calculated. Um, I don't think it's just something that they've done... Um, I think there's a lot of rationality behind that um, from a, a planning perspective. Um, and, you know, it's, 
it's a it's a very hard decision because there's a lot of people uh, in Hong Kong that feel very very strongly about the autonomy that it currently has at the moment, um, which is which is very very understandable. And there's a lot of people in Beijing that feel very very strongly about you know having the opportunity to be able to to you know go and get <laughs> go and get those people or, or you know go and get those people that are, are doing the wrong thing. Um, from a national security perspective in Hong Kong. So it's a very difficult um, question. Uh, it isn't a, a, a simple, you know, two, three minute answer. It is a very, very complicated answer. And, and it just needs to be done through through dialogue and discussion. And But the only problem is it's, it's happened at a very bad time because, you know, of the situation at the moment with the, the virus. So, you know, a lot of people that would normally go out and protest about this sort of thing, they're reluctant to because there are laws that are, um, that are prohibiting, um, prohibiting that sort of activity now. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty tough situation. Yeah, and th- th- I, re- I really appreciate your time, Nicholas. So it's, been, it's been really good. So we, we haven't got probably too, too much left uh, as far as time is concerned, but I did want to ask you uh, something, obviously being very close to, to Hong Kong, uh, in Shenzhen, where you're situated, uh, what's the latest with how the borders are sort of opening up between the two countries? Is that uh, what's what's the current status of that, and when when do you see them that changing? So you're talking about the borders between Shenzhen and Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, so the the borders opening up between the two cities um, is it's still pretty much closed. Obviously, there's you know logistics and you know goods and stuff like that that can get sent through where there aren't too much issues. But when it comes to uh, travel, uh, there are still very, very heavy restrictions. So someone like myself can't go through. Um, but from what I understand, that's going to change on the 7th of June. So that, um, I think that... So, well, yeah. yep. mm. so, so I think the... Because um, at the moment, if I wanted to go to Hong Kong, I can go, um, but I would get quarantined for two weeks. And then if I wanted to come back, I might not be allowed to come back to China because um, I think once you leave the country, then, you know, you've, you've left because I've, I've got a foreign passport. So, or even alternative, even if I was to come back, then I would get quarantined for, for two weeks just to come back. So if I wanted to go to Hong Kong shopping, like a lot of people do, uh, you know, the, the quarantine from both sides is, is almost a month or a month. So yeah. it's not worth just to buy, you know, a new pair of shoes or a suit getting quarantined is not really worth it. So, I just thought I'd ask that one because I just wanted to sort of get an update, update picture between the two countries there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Two, no, two cities. I wouldn't call them countries at the moment. Or China, not yeah. yet. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, anything, any other final points to add, Nick, at all before we, we say goodbye? Yeah, no, I think it's good. And I think the, the big question that, um, that is on everyone's mind here um, is the relationship with the US um, and the, with the Trump administration and, and who's going to, to win the election. So I think that that's a, a pretty um, big concern towards a lot of the people here in, in China. Um, you know, the, the relationship, the Trump administration and the, the, the Chinese administration is probably at the worst um, since its formation in 1979. Mm-hmm. So it's also going to be very interesting to watch how that relationship unfolds as well. And I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that are 
basically telling us that that relationship's going to get worse as well. So it's, but I think like, you know, I, I suppose we've spoken about a lot, a lot of negativity today, but the whole landscape has changed with respect to the coronavirus. Um, and I think it's up to us as individuals and, and entrepreneurs that we need to nav navigate through that. Um, and if we're able to navigate 